Hey ladies, welcome to Yes and Amen, where we talk about growing in our faith with biblical truths, real life testimonies, and meditating on God's word. Now I'm your host, Priscilla's Pearl Dominguez. Let's get it. Okay, welcome back, listeners. Welcome to the Yes and Amen podcast. Today we are going to talk about something maybe, you know, not so light, but super, super important. Um, you know, here we talk about things that will be truthful and faith-filled. Um, and so today we're talking about human trafficking, the realities of it, the truth of it, um, you know, even kind of like where where it comes from in different ways and, and its connection uh, to the Bible. And we have our guest here, which is Amanda, who's my supervisor, supervisor, supervisor <laughs> um, at where I work at Restore NYC. She is uh, Amanda Eckhart. She serves at Restore's NYC Executive Director. Um, I've actually known her for almost six years now, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, she the mission of Restore is to make freedom real for survivors of trafficking in the U.S. And we're based in, in New York City. So Restore delivers housing, economic empowerment, and counseling and case management services to survivors of trafficking from over 80 nationalities. Amanda works alongside an incredibly talented team that is passionate about empowerment-based initiatives, activating strategic cross-sector collaboration and promoting impact-driven solutions to trafficking. She's a researcher by trade. Amanda's best work day is spent analyzing data and developing reports based on data-driven insights. And her best moments, though, are spent in nature with her husband, Landon, and dog, Aslan. Oh, we love Aslan. <laughs> yes, welcome, welcome, Amanda. So glad to have you on this episode. Thanks, Pri. Yeah, it's an honor to be here. And actually, Aslan is here with me at this moment. Y'all, Aslan is like the cutest little dog. Um, he's Restore's therapy dog. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember when I met him, he could fit in my hand. <laughs> and I mean, he's not much bigger, you know, now, yes. but he's um, so, so adorable. Uh, so yeah, today we're here to talk about human trafficking, the different components of it. And as we shared earlier, Amanda has been in this field for many years, um, just doing research, creating uh, programs and spaces for people to learn more about this and for also action and differences to happen in, in this injustice issue. And so today we're going to start by talking about what is human trafficking, right? What, what is human trafficking um, and why does it matter specifically to you, Amanda, right? I think um, a lot of injustice issues matter to a lot of different people, right? So um, in your, you know, in your experience, what, why does it matter to you and what is specifically human trafficking? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a great question to start us off because there's so many misconceptions, as we know, about human trafficking. Simply put, human trafficking is where force, fraud, or coercion is used to exploit another person for financial gain, and either through sexual exploitation or labor exploitation. Uh, in our present-day culture, oftentimes people ask me, well, what's the difference between trafficking let's say sex trafficking and sexual assault, for instance. And the difference comes down to the transfer of money. So in sex trafficking, an individual is exploited, but a third party is benefiting financially from the exchange. And uh, regarding why it matters to me, you know, as you said, justice work, justice initiatives uh, draw people for a variety of reasons. When people ask me, why did you get into the field of anti-trafficking? I always respond that it was a calling 
for me. It's nothing that I would have chosen for myself. About 10 years from now, excuse me, 10 years prior, I was sitting in my living room and I had just received difficult news. And I was holding my Bible in my lap and I closed my eyes and I asked God, what do you have for me? And as clear as you and I might see the writing inside of a Bible, I saw the letters before my eyes, Luke 4. And it was such an instrumental moment for me. I didn't know actually at the time what was in Luke 4. So I quickly turned in the Bible and I came across the first section of Luke 4, which talks about Jesus in the wilderness. And I thought immediately, okay, I don't think this is what you're referring to. I went to the next section, which is where Jesus goes into the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah 61. He goes on to read from Isaiah 61. And he says, I have come to set captives free. And I tell people this story. It was as though the letters leapt off of the page. And I knew that specific word was a part of a calling that the Lord had for me. Fast forward many years, um, you know, I had connected with my aunt at the time and she founded one of the earliest anti-trafficking organizations in Atlanta, Georgia. And she said, Amanda, that was the exact same scripture the Lord gave me when he led me out of education to do anti-trafficking work. And so I actually thought at the time as a professor, that I would just be volunteering or serving, not working in an agency. Uh, but here I am 10 years later and the Lord has fulfilled a part, a portion, I believe, of, of the calling uh, in and through my time at Restore with, as you shared before, an incredibly talented group of colleagues that I could not do the work without um, and alongside the Lord in, in all that he's doing in and through our mission. Amen. Amen. That's amazing. I didn't know that story. I don't, yeah, yeah I don't think I've ever heard you say that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's really powerful. I think it's, um, I think in even realizing that, like, that may be actually uh, like several other people's like testimonies and stories. And so like, even like hearing you that you took action with mm -hmm. that, because the reality is too, is like, God invites us to a lot of things. He invites us to things daily um, and he, he reveals things to us daily. And so there's like a role that we play in responding to it, right? And, and seeing how far mm -hmm. uh, or him seeing how far we'll go um, into saying our yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so praise God, you know, for your yes. Um, you know, I remember, yeah, just getting even with like with me also, I would say wasn't like not uh what is it was something i wouldn't have chosen mm. also just something i just wasn't really aware of which yes. is unfortunate because i come from a country that this is very um a huge you know issue uh, in the dominican republic so just even to come from a place that this is um like a really big thing but that i'm not fully aware of um in many ways like saddened me to like when i did come to like i guess this um, revelation moment that like wow this is a reality um and it's not really like how the movies are <laughs> um, mm, that's right and so being able to like go to restore, I remember I went to restore because I was being sent to be an intern for my first year of MSW, my master's in social work. And then I remember there was a coordinator position open instead. So I, I was like, hey, instead of being intern, can I work 
Um, and I didn't realize I was gonna, you know, work at the same home in the moment. And, um, you know, just a, a, quite an experience. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, but, you know, kind of like once I got there, I was like, yeah, I'm in this for a while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I'm pretty sure I don't see myself moving away from this. And even when I did quit Restore for the first time, because um, I saw God moving me in a, in a specific direction, that was like one of the hardest things ever. Mm-hmm. I remember like Cindy was my supervisor in the moment. I was like, mm-hmm. I've never, I've this, I never thought I would quit here. I didn't, I don't really want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, I felt God telling me to, and I wanted to be obedient in that. Um, but then I also saw that I could still serve this mm-hmm. in the capacity, yes. right. Through full collective. And so that really inspired me and also helped me open my eyes to like seeing how justice issues in general Mm -hmm. we can serve in different ways even if we don't um directly work for an organization Mm -hmm. um so yeah i like i wanted to kind of go back to to what you were saying about um in isaiah 61 right so jesus is opening the scroll he's reading isaiah 61 Uh, and i know often you've mentioned the the connection to isaiah 61 where you know he's reading that but then it also references the year of jubilee which Mm -hmm. is connected to um, the book of Joshua and Rahab story. Mm-hmm. So can you share a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, you know, I, I actually am reminded of a memory probably about five, six years ago. I was in Restore's office and there was a group of us from the organization and we had a facilitator leading our session. And the facilitator asked, why do you think Jesus came to earth? And people raised their hand and shared their responses. And I remember one in particular where someone said he came to love that Jesus and God is love. And um, all the responses were excellent and resonated. And I raised my hand and I spoke from Isaiah 61. And uh, I was referencing this passage in Luke four, which I had spoken about. And then in Isaiah 61, I said, I think that Jesus came to set captives free. When he ushered in his ministry in that synagogue in Nazareth, when he read from the scroll, he said, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. He said, this is why I have come. And it starts now. And we talk about this quite a bit at Restore. A beautiful element of Isaiah 61 is the year of Jubilee. It's reflecting um, this time in history where debts are forgiven, where slaves are set free, where uh, God's people enter into a Sabbath rest. And Uh, Isaiah 61 is referencing this specific passage um, for the year of Jubilee. The very first year of Jubilee in God's word is in the book of Joshua. And uh, it is where the Israelites are entering into Jericho to take hold of the promised land. And I love this connection because here in this passage, we see Joshua send ahead the two spies. And who do they come upon? the one and only Rahab, a woman in prostitution. They could have gone to anyone in that community for safekeeping, to uh, ensure protection, to scope out the land and gather information about the king and his people. But Rahab welcomed them into her home and they set forth a deal, as we know. Uh, She and her family were protected, the only ones protected. And this passage to me illustrates God's 
tremendous attention and heart to women in prostitution, many of whom are trafficked. Uh, we know that to be the case. And so, um, yeah, you know, big picture, uh, we know that this scripture absolutely talks about the nature of trafficking and it absolutely talks about Jesus's heart for justice work and setting captives free. And that means for women like Rahab and for the hundreds of women that we have the opportunity to meet at Restore each year. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's so, um, it's so powerful, you know, that connection of all of that. And I, I would agree with you fully, right? Like Jesus came to set the captives free. Like, and the reality is, you know, at one point we were all captives in different ways, right? So um, whether it was by someone else, whether it was spiritually, I think of like people um, in the New Testament that he healed, they were captive to like the thing that was holding them back, that their sickness that, you know, that was overcoming them. And so realizing that, um, that's why I love so much that, uh, that scripture, uh, well not scripture, but that saying that says free people, free people. So mm -hmm. it's like, you have now been set free. You have now, you are no longer a captive. So with your freedom, what will you do with that freedom, right? Yes. Um, Jesus is basically inviting us to partner with him uh, mm -hmm. to do this, this justice work on, on in this world, right? And justice work, it, it, it is human trafficking, right? It's, it's addressing racial issues, economic issues, while also like ministering to the everyday person. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes we may wanna make justice a very specific kind of category, wanna label it very specifically. And so realizing that justice is, an e just, is everywhere. <laughs> it's yes. in a lot of circumstances that we um, perhaps don't notice. Yes, I appreciate um, you, uh, Priya, I appreciate you uh, naming like what might come to mind when you hear captives being set free because another beautiful element of the year of jubilee is that jesus speaks to a holistic ministry right he's not just speaking to captivity that's psychological or emotional or physical he's speaking to spiritual and economic and racial and political and all of those things as they intersect with one another and that's that's you asked me before what drew me to trafficking and this Isaiah 61 so beautifully captures Jesus' holistic ministry work here on earth. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, I mean, that's why, you know, reading and studying the word um, in the spirit and in context and, and in rep repetition is so important, right? Because I remember the first time I read Luke 6, I was like, oh, captives free people in jail. Like, that's just immediately what I, I thought. And then just reading it several times, learning more, um, praying more about it. I realized like the depth of that scripture and then even then referencing it to Isaiah 61, um, seeing more of it, right? Seeing more of the reality of what actually um, Jesus meant and communicating that and saying he fulfilled, he has fulfilled that. Mm. Um, which is always like a mic drop moment for me when I hear, like read that scripture. I'm just like, he just like, he came through and he's like, this is what I'm doing. This is what mm. I came to do. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think there's also, it's like a power of like, that's why I say like, He's partnering with us because he said this publicly. Mm. He said this with other people and saying yes. like, I have fulfilled this while mm. I'm also inviting you to do this with me. Cause y'all, y'all, you guys <laughs> are yeah. captive or, you know, holding some people captive and also some of you are captive. And so mm. con that continued work of like invitation Mm, that God invites good. us um, into. And yeah. I think invitation also involves knowledge, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. uh, we live in a world that has a lot of information out there. 
so much information. Google can be a lot sometimes and uh, even Instagram, right? <laughs> like all of the things can be a lot. And so I feel like, um, although that's a blessing and, and a, a good thing, sometimes I think the enemy uses um, a, a vast amounts of, en of information and knowledge um, and people's access to it to confuse people, mm. to confuse narratives, to con confuse truths, right? He is the father of lies. So it's kind of like placing and planting certain lies around um, or certain misconceptions in order for people to not know the full truth. Because the reality, when we know the full truth of something that we can address it best and well. Uh, I think of like data, right? Like data is a full truth of something or working towards a full truth of something. And so we can address it with that. But if we don't have data, then we're just basing things on assumptions and how well does that work, <laughs> right? So I think of that in so many other justice issues. I think of like, People like when people don't acknowledge white privilege, it perpetuates and continues the issue that white privilege, you know, exists and it just basically magnifies it. Um, when I think of like child labor, when we don't like perhaps look into the companies that we are purchasing items from and stuff like that, it just continues the very fact that we're trying to put a blind eye or having a narrative of that injustice issue in the wrong way. And so I think that same thing applies to human trafficking. I think of movies like taken um and just a few other things that exist out there that are just uh intense and can be inviting to make people more curious but sometimes inaccurate and inaccuracy i just don't think helps people and actually um you know being able to do something about something and so what are your thoughts on this on like how people can actually get accurate where they can get accurate information um and also maybe even like how we can like address inaccurate information mm, yeah yeah, um, you know, two themes that come to mind when it comes to information on trafficking is that what oftentimes comes across our feeds or through the media or um, out in public is sensational information about trafficking. That's the first theme that we'll speak to and address some of the myths and things that we hear. And then the second theme is that trafficking has actually evolved so much in the last decade and two decades. Traffickers are sophisticated business people who know how to exploit others for financial gain. And our partners, including law enforcement, oftentimes say traffickers are one, two, three steps ahead of any move that they make to try to eradicate the problem of trafficking or go after those who are benefiting financially. And I, I share that evolution because what we may have learned five years ago about trafficking most likely that landscape has shifted. The dynamics have changed. So to the first theme, the sensationalism that happens around trafficking, um, you know, one myth that we often hear and we see it in the movies like Taken uh, and through media is that, uh, you know, trafficking doesn't happen where I live. It doesn't happen in my city or my community. It happens over there. It's a problem that takes place outside of where I'm from or where I live and perhaps even outside of the United States. And that's not true. Uh, data from Polaris, our national uh, site that collects uh, data from across the United States and uh, takes calls from community members, also people who are in trafficking. They reported this past year, trafficking happening in every single state in the US. Uh, we know this is happening in every single community in New York City, for instance. Every borough, 
every neighborhood. And this surprises a lot of people, but it is important for us to understand the prevalence of trafficking where we live and in our communities and what to look for and what to be aware of. Another um, myth that's also tied to sensationalism is that trafficking victims are physically not able to leave their situation. We oftentimes see image of images of victims tied up or locked in a room. And I, I'm not to say that those situations don't happen sometimes because I do hear those stories, but they are very few and far between. And again, traffickers have evolved and know that that type of force carries heavier penalties. Now, traffickers much more frequently use psychological coercion to keep a victim in their situation. Uh, we're doing a series right now on social media on Instagram that's educating people about the myths of trafficking, because especially in this past year, we have seen uh, so much uh, misinformation spread, unfortunately. And to that second uh, theme of uh, traffickers evolving and the field evolving, you know, our partners at FBI uh, said recently that uh, more than anything, what we need to understand in present day society is the nature of coercive control, which I had mentioned before it is psychological. Uh, it doesn't always include direct threats to a victim. It may include exploiting vulnerabilities like homelessness, lack of employment, not speaking English, being unfamiliar with one's environment or surroundings, not having access to one's paperwork. Um, and those vulnerabilities exploited and as they intersect with each other has victims feeling as though I have nowhere to go. I can't leave. I must do what I'm being asked to do. And so again, yeah, the evolving nature of trafficking, it keeps us quick on our feet too at Restore. Um, you know, for as much information as we hear and learn, we're documenting that, we're sharing those learnings, not just internal to our team, but with our partners as well, because we need to know what to look for. We need to understand, you know, how, how do we gather information, do assessments to determine trafficking, to make sure people who have been trafficking have access to the very best resources. And that may be at Restore and it may be with our partners here in the city. Yeah, I think this is so important. Um, while you were talking, I was like thinking about like that very thing. Like if we are gonna be follow, uh, seeing things on social media about it, like let's ensure honestly the, the accuracy, right? So like if Restore NYC has posted it, okay, this is true. <laughs> you know, if it's kind of like, not no shade to like a random person, but I remember when I was seeing like some random, like it was, it literally, it wasn't even like a professionally created image. It was like maybe on someone's notes app and it was a screenshot of it and was saying something about like, um, uh, you know, don't talk to this person at Target, they're like trafficking people. Or like, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you get a USPS text randomly with your name on, not on it, don't click on the link because they're trafficking people. Mm -hmm. So, and although the reality is that that could be true in some ways, like th what that does is it, if it develops fear more than information mm -hmm. yes. because um, some people will ignore that, laugh at that, and some people will be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so really like spreading information that is helpful and, and that leads to either action or support or awareness versus like you know creating fear so I think like more than anything and this evolved this goes across all all areas of justice like 
as people in the world where there's so much information, especially on social media, like we should just be wise in what we read and what we're following and seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, there's just so much inaccuracy. We, especially we saw, you know, in this past like year, I think of like the election. Like I think I'm not on Twitter, but I know Twitter was like, um, would make signs like this may be not fully accurate information mm-hmm. on certain posts okay. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't fully exist like on Instagram. So I mm-hmm. think, um, again, just going back to the reality that like truth helps people move forward and helps mm-hmm. justice issues become more truthful and 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 then better to address and look at versus than just like, you know, assumptions and different things like that. So like, even just what you've been sharing, like that's so important because people may not either know that or be, you know, too aware of it. Um, and even this month, this month is national, I believe national slavery and human uh, trafficking prevention month. Yes. And so I'm sure there's a lot out there, which is so mm-hmm. great. Um, but even in that, right, like being um, aware of what we're digesting in regards to information, mm-hmm. um, cause truths and myths, um, can sound similar, (laughs) you know, or can just like kind of intertwine with one another. And Mm -hmm. so really being intentional with like not, um, being okay with just receiving instant information, but Mm -hmm. accurate information, uh, because that's how we can best, you know, serve. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes to like the next thing of like thinking about like, we both work at Restore, right? So we get Mm -hmm. to serve human trafficking survivors on a daily basis. Um, and so that's that's our work. That's the calling that we have right now. Um, and but not a lot of people. Uh, not that not a lot of people. Some people just don't work <laughs> at anti-trafficking organizations. Some people um, don't know what anti-trafficking organizations there are in their community or what they can do. So what are like I would say for like the average Christian who like mm-hmm. this breaks their heart, right? Like maybe they cry about it. They really mourn for it. and grieve for the circumstance and situation what outside of that, right, like feeling bad about it, what outside of feeling bad about it do you feel like they can actually do, um, whether that's with Restore or just in general? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the solution to trafficking involves the church. It involves an entire community. And one of the challenges with a lack of information or sensationalism is that people hear about trafficking and think, oh, I can't touch that. There's nothing I could do to change that situation. But that's not true. There are many practical things that you could be doing in your community, serving alongside an anti-trafficking organization. Uh, one of the things that we talk about at Restore as it relates to trafficking is that this takes place within an exploitative economy. Uh, And therefore, economic justice initiatives are critical to the work that we do. We want to create what we call replacement economy. So opportunities for careers and career advancement for survivors, many of whom want to be business owners and launch their own ventures and employ their own teams and drive towards their own career goals. And this is one of the things that Uh, restore, we are building and engaging a whole community around. So I'll just speak for a moment specific around economic justice initiatives. Um, If you're interested in getting plugged in, getting involved, you could uh, support a nonprofit in providing uh, support in, in resume building alongside a survivor of trafficking. You could donate a laptop. You could help train in technology fluency and advancement. You could invest in a survivor business. You could mentor a survivor, walk alongside a survivor as she is starting her own business venture. 
uh, you and your church community could come alongside and donate a meal for one of our eight week supportive services classes that is a job readiness course and prepares survivors to re-enter the workforce from a trauma-informed perspective. There are lots of very practical things to invest in economic justice initiatives alongside organizations like Restore. Um, Moving aside from economic justice initiatives, prayer, prayer, prayer. I cannot uh, overstate how critical prayer is in the work that we do. Aside from there being incredible spiritual warfare in this field, there are just very practical things that we can only take before the Lord and expect that he will provide. And we see that day in and day out in the work that we do at Restore. We have an intercessory prayer team that meets for prayer once every other week. We send out emails with specific prayer requests. I know that a lot of Christian anti-trafficking nonprofits around the United States have prayer teams. So that's something super practically, you know, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You can be pressing into prayer uh, alongside each of us and, and the work that we do. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, um, I love uh, speaking to the first part, you were saying the economic justice initiatives, like it basically all of those things is possible, are possible, right. For people to do. So depending on like, you know, how much money you have, how much time you have, uh, how much capacity you have, right. Like how many people, you know, in church and things like that community, like it basically you can, anybody can do any of those different things, right? Um, maybe I don't have, uh, I, I don't have time to resume build it, but I can donate. Or maybe my church can be like, you know, I can be a part of the prayer um, team, especially if I'm working from home nowadays and I have a little, a little bit more time, right? Not, not everybody has a little bit more time, but just a little bit more time. And so really in a way like prioritizing, right? Cause it's just about like, like anything else, right? That we, that we do in our lives is just like saying, okay, this matters to me. This matters to the heart of God. How can I get involved? Um, and how, you know, how can I be, just be a part of this in this specific mm-hmm. thing? And that, that pertains to Restore NYC, right? But that there's so many organizations, maybe like if people are listening from other states or other countries, there's other organization there. Again, there's the gift of Google. If you just put in Google, maybe anti-trafficking organization, your city, something might come up. Um, and so really realizing that we can actually all do something. The, the Bible talks about us being the body of Christ. We have different parts, right? You may be a toe, you may be an ear, you, you may be a shoulder, whatever you are, but you can do something and you have ability to do something because you are a part of the body of Christ. And, and Jesus is inviting us all to do the work, right? Um, and so, so yeah, I thank you so much, Amanda, for, for your time, for like just your, your commitment to this, this justice issue, your commitment to just always talk about it. I've seen you talk about it in so many different capacities and always with the same passion, never tired, just um, prepared and, and passionate and on fire for, um, for this, right? For, um, for the work that God is doing through you in this justice work. Um, so yeah, I'm just really, really grateful um, for what you do and that we get to have this conversation and that yes, people can hear it this month um, on National Human Trafficking Slavery Prevention Awareness Month, <laughs> but also any other time that people listen to it, that it can just be something that they can go back to, to learn more um, and just be inspired to take action um, beyond just like knowing about this injustice issue. Thank you, Pri. And it's an honor to be here alongside of you and the broader community. And as you know, we're so grateful for your continued investment in our ministry work, not just as a fellow colleague and employee, but a prayer warrior, 
um, you've sewed into our ministry in ways that are immeasurable. Uh, yeah, and I consider it just an honor to be with you here and uh, to get to know your broader community better as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Amanda. It's my privilege and joy. Um, so yeah, y'all, if y'all want to know more about Restore, get involved. It's restorenyc.org. Or just as Amanda was sharing, there's constantly, we have an amazing team constantly putting information and invitations on Instagram. So um, that's at restorenyc. Uh, and so yeah, make sure you guys are just taking action, right? We can care about things and feel passionate and talk a lot, <laughs> but action just um, speaks louder and does a lot for, for the, the bigger thing that God is doing in this world. And so continue to support, continue to pray, uh, and we'll see you next time. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. We pray that this conversation blessed you and that you're able to apply things that you may have learned or been inspired by into your everyday life. If you have any thoughts or testimonies, be sure to leave a review on our podcast page and make sure you subscribe to know when our next episode is coming. And if you don't already, follow us on Instagram at we period are period full. Have a blessed day. See you next time.